Well, everyone, it's great to see each and every one of you on this uh, rather chilly outside winter's evening, but warm in our hearts inside. And I trust that you enjoyed the singing of God's word. I was turning to 2 Corinthians, because that's what we're doing in the morning, but don't turn to 2 Corinthians. You need to turn to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel is in your Old Testament. After Judges and Ruth comes 1 Samuel. We find ourselves in chapter 8. As you turn there, let me just say, we've been looking at the last judge of Israel, Samuel, for seven chapters, and now we enter the time of the kings, 1 Samuel chapter 8. We're going to be looking at the whole chapter this evening. It would do our hearts, it would do our souls, it would do our minds much good if we started by reading God's word. And even before we come to the reading of God's word, recognizing that this is a spiritual exercise, let's bow our heads, close our eyes and our hearts before the Lord and ask him to move. Father God in heaven, all man is like grass and their glories are like the flowers of the fields. The grass, it withers, the flowers fall, but your word stands forever. And so does your king, Jesus Christ, who is king of kings and lord of lords. This evening, Father, would you show us Jesus in your word? That those that are here this evening, that are believers of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, might be built up in the most holy faith. And those, Lord God, who are unbelievers, the scales might fall from their eyes and they might see the Lamb of God crucified for their sin. I ask this, that we might be humbled and that you might be glorified for your own name's sake, in the power of your spirit, in the name of your son, amen. 1 Samuel, chapter 8, beginning at the first verse, hear the word of God. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of the second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So 
Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of 50 and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks, and you shall be his slaves. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. They said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. Just so far, in the reading of God's word. I am old enough to remember something that some of you won't. Um, my wife often tells the story of her family going into pick and pay. In those days, it was pick and pay hypermarkets. And they would always have a pick and mix um, as you walked into the store. Now, a pick and mix was kind of like see-through containers and you would get like a bowl, um, uh, like a plastic bowl, and then you would go from container to container, you would open the container, and inside would be all the treats and delights. There would be quality treats, toffees, uh, uh, chewing gum, there would be all kinds of joys. I loved, well, everybody loved back in those days, pick and mix. I don't think it was very hygienic now that I think about it. Everybody's hands went into those containers and germs probably spread. I'm probably glad they don't do pick and mix any, anymore. I probably wouldn't have survived in a COVID world. But back in my day, it was just the best. A kid in a pick and pay, eyes wide at the pick and mix counter throws a tantrum because his parents will, I'm not saying this is me, I'm just saying, throws a tantrum because his parents won't allow him to fill a container with all his favorite treats. Eventually, telling him that this would not be good for them, they relent. Even in the car, he starts to munch away. <laughs> Eats far too much. Ends up terribly sick. In life, so much seems appealing. 
But God knows what you truly need. Here's the big picture from 1 Samuel chapter 8. Reject God and he'll give you what you want. Accept Christ and he'll give you what you need. Let me tell you how we're going to divide up this passage of scripture. We're going to start in verse 1 and go to verse 5. The idea is careful what you ask for. And we're going to pick up from verse 6 and go through to verse 9. Careful what you reject. And then we're going to hit verse 10 and go through to verse 20. Careful what you settle for. And then just those last two verses, careful what you get. So, point one. Careful what you ask for from verse one to five. Let's just read it again, just so that it's in our minds as we go through it. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways. But turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Samuel's sons were horrible judges. They turned aside after gain. They took bribes. They perverted justice. I mean, you get it, right? It sounds shameful. Like most of the leaders that we have in South Africa today. Israel were right to want better leaders. Leaders that looked for the gain of the people, not for self-enrichment. Leaders who were above repute, not for sale. Leaders who uphold justice, not pervert it. Israel were right to want better leaders, even a king. But be careful what you ask for. What you want is not always what you need. Second point as we go through this passage from verse six to verse nine. Careful what you reject. But the thing displeased Samuel, we read, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day forsaking me and serving other gods so that they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. Samuel thought the people were rejecting him. And I feel sorry for Samuel. He, he's old. 
and he has been faithful his whole ministry through. If you had to go back one chapter in 1 Samuel chapter 7, you would learn that Samuel had judged Israel very well. The words of the Israelite people are stinging in his ears. It feels like betrayal. It feels like rejection. Samuel is injured. Samuel is wounded. But what Samuel doesn't realize in this moment is that this is within the providential plan of God. Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 14 and 15 reads, When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess it, and dwell in it, and then say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers, you shall set as king over you. Even this moment is within the providential plan of God. But yeah, when, when the king, or when the king, when the people demand a king like the nations around them, they are demanding a king of their own choosing. They are rejecting the king with the capital K of the Lord's own choosing. Why? Why would God allow Israel to have a king if it wasn't in his original plan? Not at all. This was always within the sovereign plan of God. In Genesis chapter 49 verse 10 we read, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and he shall have obedience of the people. God always planned for his people to have a king. He even said which tribe they would come from. When they were wandering through the wilderness, he said they would cry out from a king. Both his providential plan and sovereign plan are at play here. Careful what you reject. What you want is not always what you need. Third point, careful what you settle for. From verse 10 to verse 20, let's just read it. We'll have it close to our minds. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take, spot the repeated refrain as we go through this. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks, <laughs> maybe just a point, back then, 
um, taxation, 10%. And just give that some thought when you get your first paycheck uh, when you graduate. Verse 17, he will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. Oh, this is so sad. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said no. But there shall be a king over us, that we may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Samuel warns the people of the ways of the king. The king would take, take, take. Verse 11, sons drafted for military service. Verse 12, commanders and laborers. Verse 13, daughters and servants. Verse 14, property. Verse 15, taxes and tithes. Verse 16, enslavement and forced labor. Verse 17, tithing of flocks. That's a rubbish deal. But the people don't care. They still want to be like all the nations. They want to be like the world. Careful what you settle for. What you want isn't always what you need. Fourth point and final point in just two verses. Careful what you get. Verse 21. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. So God gives the Israelites what they want. In the very next chapter, Saul is chosen to be king over Israel. That's 1 Samuel chapter 9. Why? Why? Why would God give the Israelites a king who would exploit them? Why do we get presidents that exploit us? Saul is God's judgment on Israel. Careful what you get. What you want isn't always what you need. Application. I read this uh, quote earlier this week, although I have heard it many, many times before. It's really scary. It's by John Calvin, 400 years ago or so. When God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. When God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. Well, if I've understood this text correctly, when God wants to judge a nation, he gives them what they want. Reject God and he will give you what you want too. Give you up 
to the lusts of your heart, allow you to wallow in the sin you desire. Accept Christ, and he'll give you what you need in him. Believers, there is application in this text here for you this evening. In life, you are often placed in circumstances where you are perfectly correct to cry out to God for change. You want change, and that is not necessarily a bad thing. But not every option which is available to you that you may choose in life are God-glorifying for you, a God-glorifying remedy to what you might be facing. How do you know if what you desire is a worldly want or a God-glorifying need? How can you discern the will of God in the circumstances that you are presently facing and find yourself in? Well, number one, study Scripture. The Bible is the Word of God. Studying the Bible is essential for discerning God's will because it reveals His perfect character, His perfect principles, and His perfect commands. Number two, pray. Prayer is central to discerning God's word, a will. Prayer is not just about asking God for things, but also aligning your heart to the desires and your desires with God's purposes. Number three, seek counsel. Seek counsel from mature believers. Make an appointment with your pastor. Make an appointment with an elder. Make an appointment with a believing mentor, somebody in Christ who can speak into your life in ways that you understand. Number four, examine your circumstances. Often your very circumstances are the providential hand of a sovereign God and are given to you to help you to find direction and grow in him and glorify him. Number five, listen to the Holy Spirit. He who is in you prompts you in your decisions and helps you to discern the will of God as you study scripture, as you pray, as you seek counsel, and as you examine your circumstances. Unbelievers, there is application yeah, in this text for you too. It is a fearful thing when God hands you over to your sin, to your unbelief. Israel wanted a king that was like the other nations, but that was not what they needed. They needed a better king. Jesus is the ultimate king of Israel who died for and now reigns and rules over his people. Born under miraculous circumstances, living a perfect life, Jesus Christ went to a cruel cross and accepted nails in his hands mocking and beating in order to appease the wrath 
of God for the sin that you so rightly deserved. And above his cross was a sign which read the charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. That is the king of God's own choosing. And friend, if you accept Jesus Christ, he will give you what you need. Two more quotes. Both of them are from Puritan writers. The first is by a guy called Thomas Goodwin. He says, I am in Christ and Christ is in me. What more can I want? And then the second is from an anonymous Puritan writer talking about the gifts and the grace and the awesomeness, the blessings that we receive when we are in Christ. My heart overflows with gratitude for in Christ I find eternal life, forgiveness, adoption as a child of God, justification, peace, the Holy Spirit's indwelling, freedom from condemnation, access to the Father, victory over sin and death. The fruits of the Spirit, a heavenly citizenship, strength in weakness, co-heirship with Christ, fellowship with believers, and comfort in suffering. Truly in Christ, I possess all that I could ever desire. Friend, do you have what you need? Or are you wallowing in what you want? In Christ, you can find everything that you need for life and for godliness, salvation in his death and resurrection. By repenting of your sin and your love for this world, your love for this worldly king, whatever that might be in your life, turn from it and place your faith and trust in the King of kings and Lord of lords. This evening, We've considered four points. Careful what you ask for. Careful what you reject. Careful what you settle for. And careful what you get. You are in the candy store of life. So much seems appealing. But God alone knows what you truly need, and it is Jesus. Reject God, and he'll give you what you want give you up to the lusts of your heart, allow you to wallow in the sin you desire, accept Christ, and he will give you what you need in him. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, I thank you for your word. It is faithful and it is true, and it is sufficient for all matters of life and for godliness. Even as we consider it tonight, I do pray that you would impress it on our hearts that we would not be conformed to the ways of this world, that our kingship will not be found in the things of this world, but Lord God, our eyes would ever be fixed above on the person of Jesus Christ. And this evening, I thank you for his wonderful work on the cross. Help us, Lord God, to see Jesus. And in seeing him, Lord God, help us to live under his domain as our sovereign. These things we pray 
in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, who is Lord and Savior. Amen.